All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. What up, y'all? This is Unpaid Bill. For this week's classic, we're revisiting September 5th, 2018's QLS with Steve Stout. Steve talks about managing Nas's career to superstardom, growing up around hip-hop, and Will Smith's comeback. Episode 100 with The Commissioner. Enjoy. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Questlove got 19 jobs, man. Yeah. I'm on a hot streak. Yeah. Because if you don't work, yeah, you can't eat. Roll call. Suprema, su-su-suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Fonte. Yeah. And I ain't dissing you. Yeah. On Quest Love Supreme. Yeah. With the commissioner. Suprema. I forgot about the roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. I'm Sugar Steve. Yeah. But there ain't no doubt. Yeah. The greatest Steve. Yeah. Is Urkel. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. It's Laia. Yeah. The one and only Steve Stout. Yeah. I'm here for the money advice. Yeah. I don't know what y'all talking about. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Steve. Yeah. And you know what I'm about. Yeah. They call me Stout. Yeah. You got clout! Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. That was my Jordan six seconds left. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Sugar Steve. Let it be known that uh, that's how you assist a guest. That's how you yeah. do it. You yeah. saw the ball tip. It was like three seconds left. It was Boom. hanging on the rim. Yeah, there he goes. There he goes. Not the Tessa Thompson. <laughs> Yo, she still mentioned that, by the way. Uh, Never on long story. 
Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Questlove Supreme, only on Pandora. I'm your host, Questlove. We're here with Team Supreme. Uh, what's up? What up? what up? What up? What up? Hello, Laia. How are you? I'm good. Just Mr. Love. How are you? I love <laughs> you, Laia. I, you know I, I love you. you. See, <laughs> this is going to be, we're, we're not even a minute in it while we. We was doing our, Shots. our passive yeah. aggressive banter. January twentieth stand up. That's yeah, right. but see, that's why I'm glad we yeah. we we have a a a, a man media. of business, okay. someone that can play a bridge between us. Oh, this will be interesting. Yes, this will be. You're actually here, Steve Stout, to to Doctor Phil to referee to Doctor Phil the show <laughs> okay. exactly. So it is a therapy session. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay. I'm cool uh, with that. Ladies and gentlemen, most of our episodes we sort of speak on the conflict. That is art and commerce. And often the theme of it is it truly possible for both sides of that world to exist in art and commerce. And for most hip hop purists, usually the latter is seen as a seven Well, commerce is actually eight letters. So an eight letter word. Um, But I believe that our guest today can shed light um, for us that one can be a creative and in business without compromising either side. Uh, he has been an artist manager for uh, most of the 90s. Uh, like you were four years old. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You won. Uh, <laughs> he, soon, <laughs> he soon rose up in the ranks uh, as a record executive, uh, Sony and Interscope, and soon after that uh, used his uh, promotional talents uh, for the boardroom by establishing the marketing firm Translation, which served as a, uh, I'll say, a crucial bridge for companies uh, to figure out ways uh, to hit key demographics and market, uh, other than the tried and true face of uh, Middle America, uh, and bring some much needed color and diversity to the game. Yep. Um, and he's not done. Uh, nope. Hopefully, no. not done. Hopefully, not uh, done. he will establish the uh, the dawning of a new era of how music gets distributed. Uh, by launching uh, United Masters. Uh, there's so much to do. I can go off this whole resume, but that'd be 12 hours. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome uh, author, speaker, marketing director, CEO, philanthropist, executive. The man. And still the commissioner, <laughs> Steve Stout, the Quest Thank Love you Supreme. Guys. Uh, yeah. So uh, thank you for having me, Quest. Thank you. Um, I, I should know. Like we've, we've been talking about this for a while. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm glad it, it worked out. I'm very uh, honored to be a part of what you're doing. And, uh, you know, this is, let's let's go there. Let's go. Ask me any I, questions. I'll say the very, the very first time I met Steve Stout, I was, I was half asleep on a couch at the Hip Factory. And I think, I think this was during the, we were working on, I was working on the soundtrack to uh, Space Jam's. Oh wow! With D'Angelo, we, we were trying to figure out what player. Uh, there was like the beginnings of Player Player back when it was on Space Jam's, and he was in the break room, and this is like right when it was written, was like maybe a month or two old, and you know back then when you're opinionated twenty twenty year old hip hop head, you know you're unfiltered whatever, <laughs> and his first words to me was like, wait. You hate little black girl loss. <laughs> <laughs> it 
this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's, it's obvious, right? And he was like, no. Like, I had no no idea who Steve was or his ties to Nas or the Trackmasters, but it was just like, that was my introduction. That Like, I'd seen- I just re- asked you that without even having a, a warm-up. I just went well, right to it's the because, thing. Yeah, like, you were- you I were, would do that. That's the reason I'm just- it's, it's crazy hearing shit that I did back then. <laughs> I was like 26. But the thing was, but what I did was I went back that night because he, he, I I know that he's a great businessman because his debate points were on, were on point, on point, and to the point where I don't know if he Stockholm syndrome me into liking it eventually. <laughs> but all the points he gave, then I went home to like I actually gave an hour to that song. Like, okay, what were what do you remember so the yeah, points? I, like, I remember. What, what, I remember Everything around that time, because he was, was supposed to do it, it initially, it, it, right? It, no, well, the whole thing was super sensitive. Um, making that it was written album, mm-hmm. um, essentially, you know, everyone loved Nas, and obviously, Illmatic is one of the greatest albums ever made. And I come in, and I'm making it was written, and everyone wants Nas to be the guy on Illmatic. Nobody wants him to... Right. It just feels like nobody wants him to grow. Um, they just want him stuck in that spot. They want him to be a, a, a Coogee rap kind ahead. of guy. Right, ahead. right. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not doing that. This is guy, this guy can rap his ass off, good looking dude. Like, he can move and, 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 and like the art form is growing. Like, why can't he be a part of it? So when I was making the album, the, the first person that really put me in a corner because I didn't use a lot of producers that was on the first album right was 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 Q-Tip and I mean Tip's my man but Mm -hmm. like Q-Tip was like hated I Rule the World like thought I it was blasphemous that I would have this man Mm -hmm. do that song and I'm sitting there thinking well is Friends the beat rather Mm -hmm. is Friends we got Lauryn Hill it's Curtis but we got Lauryn Hill singing a hook the fuck are you talking about? Like, why are you why are you holding him to this standard that he can't do that? And I made sure I mixed the record maybe fifteen times, man, just to make sure the drums was hitting hard, so that nobody could say Frontal. it wasn't, it wasn't banging yeah, right. or whatever, and it wasn't hip hop. And then obviously the song worked. But anytime I had met anyone, anyone that like understood music and was a purist, mm-hmm. I always wanted to have that conversation with them. And when I look at the album 20 years later, 25 years later, whatever it is now, people love that album. Like people talk about that album as like, people call it a classic. I don't think it was a classic at all. I think it was a great uh, transition piece for Nas, um, where music was going. And I'm very, very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so not a classic, but like, I think it's, Think it's well, dope. it served its purpose, and it was. Yeah. I don't think everything like I feel like the pressure of Illmatic was that, like metaphorically speaking, as an artist, like everything had to be a Rembrandt or a Picasso. Yeah, which I mean, wasn't necessary. Yeah. I don't think anything will ever reach the heights of Illmatic. Was a moment in time yeah, more than anything, it, it really and was. that's like trying to capture lightning in a bottle. Were you with him? Damn, I hate starting the you guys story in the middle. No, I know. <laughs> Normally, I start at the beginning and Who work cares? my way up. This is your show. All right, we just talking. There's no rules. Right. It's your show. All right, so were you with him the night of the Source Awards? I was the... sitting right next to him. Okay. I need a first person account. I can tell you everything about that night. Wait, 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 wait. But I, I got to tell you when I first heard about you before we get to that night. Okay. Now, 
I'm almost, I remember hearing about the group um, and I forgot, was it, who was the A&R? Was a woman, Wendy? Wendy Goldstein. Wendy Goldstein. Mm-hmm. Talking about signing you guys. And it was way ahead of its time, live music and all that. Mm-hmm. But I remember Wendy Goldstein talking about the group and like it was this live band, guys from Philly. And I'm like, really? Wow, that she, because Faith Newman had signed Nas. Mm-hmm. So there was like, there were women, white women in, 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 in the record business that was putting rappers on and putting hip hop on. So women. I looked at Faith <laughs> and I looked at, um, at Wendy and, and, and actually, Wendy was, Wendy was cool. She had really broad taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so that's when I first heard about, that's when I first heard about The Roots. Right. Um, so that was, when you guys got signed in 93. No, no, 93. She signed us December of 93. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wow. Like in the, that year, like it was like eight labels. And then on a fluke, we were supposed to sign to, to Mercury. Polygram uh, with Kenyatta. Lisa Cortez? Lisa Lisa was there. All right. She was mad as shit. Basically on on a lucky fluke, uh, which prevented us from signing the contract for that particular day. Like, the contract was messed up. We, you know, ripped it up. They were going to send a new contract on Monday. But in that weekend, Wendy Goldstein just swooped in and offered the world. And What we, label was she at? Uh, Electra? No, Geffen. Geffen. Right. And at the time, we, we were like, Geffen, they don't got nobody. Like, whatever. Like, we're not going to do it. Yeah. But we did it because that whole year was about them courting us. And, you know, when you're, like, courting an artist, you take them to the best restaurants and all that stuff. Like, we came from nothing. Like, yeah. like, an, ad ex- like an executive has orange juice in their office? That was like, yo, she has a refrigerator. Yeah, she has a refrigerator. Don't let her have a bathroom. Forget it. Right. Like, we never seen shit like that. So- all that year, we just basically said, "All right, well, we'll do it for the the steak and the and the lobster. Like, we're at least going to get a good dinner out of this." Yeah. And just messing with her, we just gave her this laundry list of shit we wanted, and she called our bluff the next day and was like, "All right, I'll give it to you." And then we were like, "Oh man, we got to tell edx Nine that we're not going to sign a record wow. and go there." But wait, I got to ask you something. That night, the Source Awards, I'm sitting. And you must, you knew Ed's father, but you, yeah. you grew up in his music, so you, yeah, you're I definitely going to sign that. I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sitting four rows behind Nas. Mm-hmm. All I remember was, I remember, I didn't know it was Nas because I remember he had a very specific Tommy Hilfiger shirt on. Mm-hmm. And all I knew, Nas was my... Nas was my uh, barometer for how that night was going. Because when he first arrived, we were in, if you notice, they had us all separate. Yeah. Like the underground heads were on the yeah, far yeah, right. Yeah, they, they set it up like that. Midwest. They added in crews and they moved southern rappers over here. Right. The whole thing was set up like so that. So the yeah. New York underground rap side was our side. Yeah. And, you know, Wu-Tang, everyone's bigging up Nas and everything. Like, eh, he came in. Pro- you know, and then as each award that Biggie won, I just watched Nas's body language. Like, will like just just get smaller and smaller. Well, inside well, the, that well, the, do you remember the crowd getting upset? Yeah, we was mad as shit. The crowd was upset that Nas didn't win, like we, lyricist of the year or something like that. We, yes, and everybody was like, "What?" 
The fix is on. So <laughs> I told Tariq, we were looking at him the whole time, and I told Tariq, I said, he's never going to be the same after this night. I don't know what it is, but to watch, and I never like read a person's body language, but he came in like, 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 came in like a king. And when I watched his body wilt as each award was was won by Biggie, I was just like, yo, this something something's about to happen to him that can, can I can I, I want to tell so you So I want you to tell yeah, me, take nah, me through you that. You know what day. it is? Well, it was my whole thing with Nas the entire time was I'm not gonna be surprised about any of this stuff because we have to fuck these guys. Fuck all these guys. Like, we're going to build our own shit and not let um, the industry sort of dictate the rules. So going there and let, and watching that happen, it was like, yeah, his body language was fucked up. But he, he, he was in bad spirits that day because the record company, like, didn't. They, like he wanted money to go like get fresh for the thing to get fresh for the show, and like the, the record company didn't want to give him any money, didn't want to give him like anything to help him. There was no like artist development mm-hmm. thing. Like he's gonna go, he may win awards. He have to go on stage. Like there's not a stylist involved. There's not like any. No, they didn't give a shit about the Source Awards or really about him at that time to to, to put money behind him. Who was at the was, helm? Was it Jermaine's? Well, Jermaine's no, dad. No, Jermaine's wasn't at the, dad was. That was later. Yeah, forget that part. Um, <laughs> so, so Donnie and, and it was Donnie and <laughs> Donnie you know, who didn't know, but like remember during that time, it was all about like Mariah Carey, Michael Bolton, and all that right. that stuff. Nothing saying mm-hmm. like that's what it was about. Those things were selling a lot of records, right. and Illmatic hadn't gone gold mm-hmm. at that time. It was it wasn't it wasn't a big money maker. So they weren't really about putting money into him and all mm-hmm. that. Um, so that was one reason that um, you know he was walking in and people were sh- dapping him up, but he wasn't feeling good because he wanted a whole nother look. I'm being very, really intricate here. And then when the whole thing happened with Big and him not winning the award, I was just charged up like, oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna make records, bro. We're going, we're going to do this thing big. Like, I got it. They're doing their thing. But what was the conversation that oh, when the y'all com- left? No, the, oh, the conversation when we left. Well, the conversation when we, we left, we <laughs> went to the tunnel after that. We we thought someone was going to die. I mean, we we you got to remember when Suge went up on stage, yeah. right? Yeah. The only thing that mattered at that point was not awards anymore. So let, let's say our first thing was then. You can't, you believe Biggie won? I think Karis won got jerked that night too. Yeah, best live. Best, by, like, yeah, best yeah. live performance. Biggie won that. Biggie won that. Like, oh, wow. We, yeah. yeah nah. Well, we were there too because that was our nomination. But I was like, <laughs> okay. and even I was like, oh, Karis won got that one. Yeah, yeah exactly. But and, Biggie actually said, yo, man, like, he bigged up everyone else. He's like, I, I don't even deserve this. Like, <laughs> yeah, so Karis won. That's a good recall. So Karis one got jerked. So it was the whole thing. Once that happened, everybody was like, "Oh, we, the fi- this is not a real thing." It's like the with the how you when you look at the Grammys and you're like, "This ain't mm-hmm. the real thing." That's how we felt about the Source Awards when they gave Lyricist of the Year, whatever, like live performance. I, I mean, Karis one has been ripping down right. every stage. So anyhow, um, but by the time she got on stage 
it didn't matter anymore because it was the conversation, what we were holding on to was now like, yo, somebody's going to get shot. Somebody's going to die. And Nas had, you know, Queensbridge was out, was ready. And, oh. you know, Wu-Tang was ready. And mm -hmm. like the whole thing was, and of course, Dre and those guys, obviously they didn't come out to New York unprepared. Um, and it was, remember that night, the production, like they had better production. I, the, like Biggie and like uh, uh, Puffy performed and it was like cool. But when they came out, I think they had like, it opened up and they had jail. They came Death out Row jail had all the jail, 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 jail cells. So it was right. like, man, <laughs> these guys got money in production and mm -hmm. this is fantastic. And then after that, he, they talking shit. Just, yeah. yeah. But the truth of the matter that nobody would, I ran no, out after Dre when Snoop did that whole diatribe about. Yeah, but Snoop, 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 I, I ran. I, I, was, you, I, Snoop, I, I was out the door. I tell you one thing, Snoop actually saved that night from going crazy. Yeah, because he pushed it, but he didn't go so far. Mm -hmm. Like he, I think New York ain't got love for Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, and like everybody was kind of giving it up, but like the, it was dominated with industry people, so they weren't going to give it up. But some of the fans started to give it up a bit. And like, he could have said, well, fuck y'all. Right. That's what it felt like he was going to do. We know where we at. We know where we at. East Coast and motherfucker yeah. So it wasn't yays. It was like a... Uh, so yeah. Yeah. so when really he didn't do that, he kind of calmed it back down. Okay. Which was um, which is the only reason why it, it wasn't yeah. like people got trampled and sh shots went off and all that. It could have been that. It was, by the way, it was the most dangerous thing room I've been in. I consider that hip-hop's no, funeral. No, 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 no. You've no. been in some rooms. You've been in some rooms. No, you don't know. No, how that, you don't understand how that felt. <laughs> you, I've said that's hip-hop's funeral. Like, no, no, you don't understand what that... From a dangerous... Dang, like, you're sitting in the room and all you know there's guns mm -hmm. and there's bad intentions and, you, and everything looks like it's about to happen. Mm -hmm. And when he went up on stage, once he shitted on... Puff, and then Snoop started talking like that. It was it was about to happen, like it was, and it felt like. In fact, th the fact that it didn't happen is amazing. It's a miracle. It's true. I ran, met D'Angelo, got that, <laughs> got that brown sugar cassette, and that was it. I ran like soon as that shit happened. I was right, because like, crews don't go through metal detectors. Yeah, I I ran. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. 
Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So, Steve, I want to know, where were you born? I was born in uh, New York. In, uh, New York. New York. What part? You grew Manhattan, up in Brooklyn? No, no, no. I was born in Manhattan. But I, my whole life, I was born in Manhattan. But I, I spent... My my life in 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 Queens in Queens Village, um, right off of Jamaica and Jamaica Queens. Okay. And um, my parents are from Trinidad. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So your early your earliest hip hop experience? What? Oh, it was great. My my I had a, I have an older brother. He passed away, um, but he got hit by a car going to the. There's so much about this story. So my brother got hit by a car, and he was going to. Um, a show of the Superfest. It was at Belmont Racetrack, which we could walk to from our house. So he's on his way there and like the Pointer Sisters and Luther Vandross. Uh, mm-hmm. It was that, you know, that kind of... Right. Kind of... Uh, uh, early 80s. Early 80s show. And he's on his way there and he gets hit by a car. It's a hit and run. Yeah. A year later... He just gets of age and he gets the check, the the insurance check, right. like thirty grand or something like that. It, it, it felt like thirty dollars, grand. Right? It felt like yeah. <laughs> right. And he takes the money and he buys all of this equipment. Um, and this is eighty two. Okay. Coffin. Um, techniques, all kind of reverbs, mm-hmm. everything, like a DJ set, right? right. Um. So you could roll up, do block parties, whatever. And it was that, it was, when he did that is when I first got into, really into the music because guys would come over and DJ. He was all right, but his friends would come over and DJ. But it was like, oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you put my mind on me. It was like that. It was don't stop the music. It was like every breakbeat. It was Mm -hmm. all of that kind of stuff. And that's when I first got interested in the art form. Um... And I started to love it. So I grew up from from 12 years old, from 1982. I've been in hip hop music. 
Did you ever have rap aspirations? Or DJ oh aspirations? yeah, I thought I was a rapper. I thought I was uh, <laughs> Steve Ski. I had Steve Ski. I was I was doing that the whole thing. That would have been the name. All right. yeah, yeah, of course. What else name was or, there? Or like Rock Back Ski then, or something like that. Yeah, with Steve Ski. I, I already had my, <laughs> where I was going to tag. I used to write my little graffiti, write my name, practice how I was going to do it. I was spitting rhymes. Um, everything. So was management your first foray into the business or like... Oh, yeah, my were first... Were you roadie first? Were you carrying records? Were you Yeah, promoting? I was a roadie. I was a roadie, then a road manager, and then a manager. Um, Who were your first clients? My first client was Kid and Play. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I worked with Kid and Play um, early on. But I had, the truth of the matter is I was selling real estate, um, so I had money. Okay. Like, I already had money. Like more money than 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 I needed, so by the time I was a roadie, it was really me learning the business. I wasn't doing it um, for money. Okay. But the first thing I did, I, I during that process, I found this guy. Um, his name is Steve Kitt, and he's a Jehovah's Witness, mm -hmm. and he was producing for Herbie, Herbie uh, Azoff, Herbie Love, Herb, yeah, okay. who, right? And Herbie was tip doing the typical thing. Like taking credit for everything, buying guys out. Oh wait, please don't tell me that. Yeah, well, Herbie wasn't doing. Uh, he was sort of the figurehead for. He may have produced some records. He was a conceptual guy, right? Like he definitely was a con concept guy. He was the puff. Like so, he to knew, his hitman. No, 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 no. He knew like what Salt and Pepper should look like, and he knew like what Kid and Play should be. Like he had that kind of okay, producer, right? Yeah. But I, it was a bunch of guys making the records. I think they had a name. It was like the Hitman type of dudes. They had a name. Oh, Herbie. Yeah, you're right. The Invincibles. Uh, the Invincibles, right. Man. Okay. Right. We're good. Right? <laughs> yeah. So he had the dudes. So guys wanted to be down with the Invincibles and all that. But they, wasn't, you know, they weren't getting their credit and all that other kind of stuff for getting jerked up. And there was a guy named Steve Kitt. He was a uh, Jehovah Witness, as I said. So he didn't mind not getting the credit because he didn't even want to, like... His name out there. The name associated <laughs> with, with curse words and all that. Right. But the first thing I did was I got him, and we were on. A, I was doing roadie work. Martin Lawrence used to open up for Kid and Play. Right. And when so I got to know Martin, and then when Martin got his TV show, Martin gave me the opportunity to make the theme song. So the first work I've ever published or been a part of doing was the theme song to the Martin Lawrence show. Martin! Yeah, we took that from Capri. No, that's the yeah. second one. That's the second one. Yeah, they changed it up on us. Like, we I like the, the second first one, one way better. Yeah, The yeah. first one was way better. Martin took the second one because somebody in his camp must have said, you know, you can make money off of this. So... All of a sudden, we we probably had a four or five year run. You did, yeah. And the people show, still that's the one everybody remembers. That's the one. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. That's the, one. Yeah. the other one was stupid. Wait, so you said, and you always credit Wiz with a lot of like your beginnings, your trajectory, and being yeah. With, Wiz, Wiz is the one who um, DJ Wiz, Mark Eastman was the one who put me on. He seemed like a little, a little forward anyway, because I remember like I feel like it was a decade ago he was the first one that started doing the uh, video DJing and whatnot. Was he, he was, always that dude? Yeah, Wiz Entertainment was yeah, always yeah. like yeah. Wiz that I we, we so you you helped helmed him to yeah we signed the kid. By the way, we we did. I got the kid. My the first dude I got a record deal for was the kid from Philly, Shadacious. I'm gonna put my I'm gonna thing put, down. I'm gonna put my thing down. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, time out. Uh, yeah, time out. 
Oh, that's right. It's Wiz's artist. Or RCA. All right, here's the yeah, funny shit. I said RCA. So, in 92, 93, it's such a Philly title. I'm going to put my thing down. <laughs> like, it was it was making a lot of local noise. It was noise. an independent yeah. record. It was making noise, yeah. And I remember... All right, so here's the funny shit, which leads back to the Wendy Goldstein situation, which is not, me not knowing the business... Like when word got out, yo, Shadacious signed to RCA Records, <laughs> peeping for a fourteen album deal. Oh, we thinking like, shit. yo, he's gonna make records until two thousand and seven. <laughs> like this is back in nineteen ninety two. I didn't know about the whole like option deal where they can drop you but you can't leave and like that sort of thing. So in my mind, there were two artists that were always referenced to. And Roots came until my manager and lawyer were like, no, that's not that's the right precedent deal. to set. Yeah. It was Shaudacious, and then it was Helmet, the uh, the the Seattle yeah. grunge band. Yeah, the grunge band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because they got signed for a million dollars. So we were like, yo, Helmet. We pulled a Helmet mm-hmm. on Wendy Goldstein uh, by saying, yeah, we want two Land Cruises, an apartment, a studio, da 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 da. And then she was like, okay. But back then, it was just like, yo, man, I just want a Shaudacious. I want. A fourteen, <laughs> a fourteen deal. album. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you guys get the fourteen album deal from. But well, maybe you know people always fabricate yeah, their yeah, stories because yeah. so, they know. make it sound like he pro- he probably was putting it out there to make it seem like he was getting more money. Yes, yeah. Because in it, your mind, to my it, mind, it, I was it like, equals more money. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't that. And then like, I'm not saying it was a great deal. We signed him to RCA. The, the standard probably seven. That hours. was seven, a big yeah. deal for Philadelphia. Wait, oh yeah, where is Shadacious? If you happen to know, like I don't know, but I have no idea. But the video, Boys to Men was in the video. Yeah, um, I think Randall Cunningham may have been in the video. He was Philly's hope. <laughs> like Shadacious <laughs> is going to put Philly on the map, boy. Damn, Shadacious. You don't know the record. Damn, was that when y'all was in high school? So Shad- it was Boys to Men in high school? No, this oh. is like this is neck and neck with Organics. Ah, uh, okay. Shit. Like he was like the street. The thing was like he would go on. We do these shows with Shadacious and And he, he had a crew of dudes around him that was rapping. Yes. He, they were like the street Wu Tang element. They were like yeah. on that shit. And then here we come in with our Birkenstocks and Oshkosh. <laughs> looking like arrested development. But the thing was, it was like we they underestimated us so much that then like when you underestimate somebody and then they rise to the occasion, it's like, oh shit, they dope. So like it kinda helped it open it out. for Shadacious. Anyway, all right, so back yeah, to okay. Wiz Entertainment. So that's how... And you were managing him at the time, managing Sade. That's how you got him signed. No, 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 no. Oh. I was... Well, he managed Kid and Play in Wiz. I was... Oh. No. No, in fact, Wiz had his thing, right. uh, Wiz Entertainment, and I did... A, uh, me and Kid had a thing called uh, Kid Entertainment, actually. Okay. Yeah. So you had different entities for... Yeah, we, like, and it was me and Kid partnered, and then... I had gotten a um, a production deal with RCA. Okay. So Wiz had the guy already signed, Shadacious, and the record was bubbling. So we signed the rec- We signed him to our deal that we had at RCA, and I became an A and R guy at RCA shortly after that. Wow. Okay. So this is also during the time when. Uh, uh, the other Loud. Steve, uh, Steve, uh, yes, Riff. with Loud. So yeah, Riff wasn't. I was there. So what was the Riff difference came. between like RCA proper? Uh, like I know SWV and all yeah, that was, stuff. Yeah, they didn't have. They didn't have no rappers. No rap shit. Yo, on this show, mm-hmm. you could talk about all of this type of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. like you don't care. Like it don't have to be. Like 
the audience is into all of this? Oh, <laughs> yeah. we we are the 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 the, the, the black NPR like nerd black NPR. We're the uh, black NPR nerd. Yes, we have an Terry oh, Gross. Oh, that's awesome. Like, we could just. Yeah. Oh, I love this. And then we throw some shits. We throw some shits, some fucks, and you know what the fuck. No, I wasn't even the courage. It wasn't even about the courage. Just like staying long on the subject matter. Oh, that's awesome. No, that's that's what we do. Our audience gets off on the nerd shit. Awesome. So yeah, I was at RCA at the time, and the kid after we put the Shadacious record out, it didn't work. Like we thought it was going to work. Like we picked up the record, it was about to go, and then for some strange reason, it converted, and I became an A and R guy. And as an A&R guy, um, I was there, and Clue was my assistant. Okay. Um, and I knew him because I I grew up in Queens, where I grew up at uh, the area. Not they went from like to Shadyville is what they call the area. Okay. And like Clue was out there making those mixtapes. Um, his shit was going, and then I brought Clue, and I'm like, if he's making mixtapes, he's probably a good A&R guy. So I made him my assistant. Whatever, so we started whatever we started, you know, finding music, and um, my younger brother was his manager, was Clue's manager. So um, I signed Clue. I mean, I, he was my uh, assistant, and a guy named the the big dude at the time was this guy named Kenny Ortiz. Kenny Ortiz, yeah. Ortiz. and Kenny okay. signed SWV. Um, and like All Star used to come around, yeah, yeah. and that's when I first met Pharrell. Um, oh. Pharrell came around. Pharrell did work on SWV. Yeah, Pharrell's yeah. been around. For use your heart. Yeah, he did. Use your heart. Yeah, yeah. So Pharrell came around. I met him, and I also met Dave Matthews. Oh, uh, they yeah, were. He was on Yeah, yeah. They, Dave, Dave Matthews. Dave, Dave, and he was super cool. Yeah, like very, very, very cool. But I like I knew that back then as an A and R guy. And then I was got I got I was really close with uh, all the dudes from Wu Tang because they got signed, and I was there in the office, and they would come around and walk around the building. In fact, they shot Cream. In the RCA building, um, they, they, they seen when they were at a conference table. Yeah, com- yeah. The conference table. and I was cool with Power, Ray, Ghost, mm-hmm. um, RZA. Okay, like you know, and I had known. I didn't know RZA. I I knew that he was on Tommy Boy when right. he had the other when he put out the solo joint. Okay, um, and then like so, I, I I like I knew those guys as an A and R. Most A and Rs that we get on the show, they give us their three like. Ones that almost got away. Yeah. Who who are your three? Uh, Could have had them. Could have signed. Yeah. Could have had them and, and missed. Oh, e- easy. Um, Alicia Keys for sure. Wow. And I always have the caveat because she didn't play the piano, and then when she did get signed, the, the when they signed her to Sony, and then they, they they obviously they dropped her at Sony. Right. But when they signed her. They didn't drop hurts on it. They get, they didn't want to deal with her manager, and they just discarded the situation. Nobody questioned her unbelievable mm-hmm. talent. But when they signed her initially, she had played the piano. When I had gotten to see her, we had just started. It was 96, 97. I had an office of four people, and that same manager brought her in, and she sang, um, and she could sing. But, like, I didn't see the piano thing, and the you truth of the, the matter is... I didn't see I, I didn't see the potential, and the truth of the matter is... Um, I was in the hip hop shit at the time. Right. I probably was too short sighted. I definitely was too short sighted to even think like maybe there could be a piano involved and what that would what that would be. So I would say that who got away. Um, I signed Fifty Cent. Um, originally, I signed Fifty Cent. Oh 
Columbia. Made. Yeah. Oh, that power, okay. how to ride, how, how to ride, and all that. I did all that. Um, but I could have re-signed him again at Interscope. Um, and in fact, I should have re-signed him again at Interscope. And a lot of the reasons why, like him and I have had this not good relationship, is because I told him I would sign him at Interscope, and I thought I could get him signed. Even to this day. Oh yes, yeah, we. we I've known the guy. I bought him. He was in a deal with Jam Master J. I bought him out yeah, the deal with Jam Master J. Yeah. The okay. deal to sign him. Okay. He was with the Onyx and all that. I signed him. Boom. He was working at Nas. We went up to Bearsville, up to Woodstock, and mm -hmm. did all those joints. Made power to dollar. I put him with Shaw Money. Shaw Money was another kid in my neighborhood. Okay. So it was Clue, Shaw Money. I started putting these guys on. They were that grew up in in, in my neighborhood. They were my younger, they were friends with my younger brother. They were talented, obviously. And um, I should have re-signed them. And, I, and I'm like, okay, I went to Timberland. I went to the Rough Riders. I went to everybody like, okay, this guy, sign him. But we, at Interscope, we were signing everybody under labels. We were basically giving yeah. producers had labels and everybody Boutique would sign deals, to that. Yeah. So I asked everyone, would they, did they want them? And when they didn't want them, for whatever the reasons were, um, I couldn't deliver on my word. Okay. I said I was going to sign him, and even with the heat, with all the mixtapes that he was, where it Wangsta had just started bubbling. Nah, they didn't. You know what it was? It was like it was obviously got shot at, so there was problems. Right. Yeah. Right. So it was a bit. It was a bit of do we want to deal with these problems? Right. Do we want to get in the middle of all this shit? Um, but the only person, obviously, that wasn't aware and didn't give a fuck was Dre. Right. That's what I was about to ask you. Like, was Eminem and Dre the difference? They the didn't. Difference? They didn't get. I mean, what are you talking about? They just went on the heat Every, of the mixtapes. Everybody the... else, yeah, that's they were dealing with the music. Right. Everybody else was dealing with the stupid life, shit. Yeah. And for that, he's you know, I I didn't do so. That got away. But I tell you, probably those two things. There's some songs that got away. Some songs I wanted. Butterfly. I wanted for a group. The song Butterfly before they gave it to Michael, Michael Jackson. Jack, yeah. oh, I had the song 702 where my girls at. I had that for a group. And then shit uh from Missy and Mona gave it to somebody else. But the like the thing that got away from me that I signed and the guys around them fucked it up badly was Bilal. What? Mm. Oh, Yo, wow. for half a second, I was like, wait, I know that name. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> right. Wait, you know so that name yeah, break well. that down. They signed him badly. Yeah, it was signed to Interscope. Yeah, he was yeah, on Interscope. Yeah, awful singles, except for maybe Fast, Fast Lane. Lane was Fast. not the. Mm -mm. No, no, hold on. Awful singles? Not, well, I say Fast Lane was just not the single. As a radio person okay. at the time okay. on the radio, it was like. Okay, it was. The the, the first song was. Um, Soul Sister. It was not. Nah, Soul, Soul, Soul Sister. Soul Sister was, Soul Sister was, Soul was dope. Was Soul Sister was dope. Yeah, yeah. The video was dope. Yeah, the girl yeah. in black. Like, it was. That was crazy. And. Remember, he had these guys around him. I can't remember. It was uh, Tume. Yeah. yeah. And they were so not wanting to hear anything that I would say. You weren't alone. They would not even listen <laughs> at all. And then, they, and then they did the dumb shit, which is go around me thinking they were going to go to Jimmy and like they were going to get a different outcome. And no, that didn't work. And it was fucked up because... That guy, I mean, it was so crazy. Like, I had signed him, and I'm like, man, mm, this guy's going to go. Mm -hmm. Prince came to his show mm -hmm. to see him because they were like, this is the next guy. Yeah. The next 
prodigy of music. And I and I was ready for that moment for him. Um, and then like after all the shit ended, I remember like <laughs> I gave Maxwell Fortunate. I got the R. Kelly song, mm-hmm. and then like, what the 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 M. Tume guy, what's his name? Fahmu was like, why didn't you Arfah. give Bilal a song? I'm like, y'all don't even y'all listen. listen y'all it. had records. It's funny because at the time I was doing radio, black radio. I used to call Amir all the time and be like, but sometimes it's just so sometimes dope. Why are we skipping yeah. sometimes? I don't understand. But it's easy. That but was, it didn't fit on that the radio. That was a nine minute song. It was, but it was a ra- it was a way to edit and it mm-hmm. was a way to make it, you can. It, it was By the way, better than sometimes fast lane. it's great right now. Well, fast lane was Dre and Jada Kiss. Yeah, that's what they kept yeah, saying. It, like it, it on was, name yeah. strength alone, it wasn't. It, We're trying to do something. But, yeah. Look. It was one of those things that I, that's why I said almost, because that guy should have been. A contender. The, <laughs> way more than a contender. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been curious to hear how you would have, it was written Bilal. Like what would a, it was written. I wanted to do that. Yeah, I would have, like. I would have. Like you knew what D'Angelo was doing. So that was super clear. And he, he. Like, he definitely wanted to do, like, jazz. He wanted to feel jazz around it. Mm-hmm. But I think that there was a way that you could have found um, the guy, the other kid that came out of Philly. Music. Uh, music. music. Yeah. Like, there was a way to split the gap yeah. where he could have ran, and that was the available. And, I mean, Erica Badu, when she first came out, mm-hmm. like, th- that was there. And he was the better singer out of oh, yeah. everybody by far. Performer too. Performer, yeah. good looking kid. Like it was, that was the thing. But we couldn't even experiment with all that because they already had some producers in their back pocket. They just wanted the money, take the money, let them come back and say, is this it? No, nah, but why don't we try this? Nope, why don't you shut the fuck up? Mm-hmm. And then let's go back <laughs> and we'll do some more shit. shit. Yeah. <laughs> all right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. In an atmosphere like Interscope, which had easily 15 to 16 multi-platinum artists, like how are you able to get a seat at the table to get Jimmy? I mean, especially with all everyone else that's yeah fighting for it. Like how are you able to, unless it's a clear-cut winner, mm-hmm. like how are you able to develop something from – like you did, you were part of the City High helming, correct? Signed, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't sign City High. I I made the record that I think we made. Oh, oh, the remix. This City High remix. Yeah, yeah. yeah Carmel. I put, Eve, I put Eve on it. Right. That record yes, went. Yes, yeah, yes, that shit did. went crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my second gold record. Really? Yeah. You oh, produced right. that record? They sampled. It was based on a root song. The, the original Caramel was based on our song, Silent Treatment. So I, I have a history of collecting gold and platinum records that weren't mine. Where you until, yeah, shit you wouldn't know. Until five years into my career. So yeah, they're like, here, man. I was like, oh, it's dead. Oh, great. Yeah, so it's still hanging up there. I, yeah, so I A&R'd the, the, uh, the City High. Um, I was the president. I was running all the black music at Interscope. And then I... I was Jimmy's right hand. So all the music that I was dealing with had a had a seat at the table, to be honest with you. And as it relates to Bilal, it, Jimmy looked at Bilal like a rock star. Jimmy thought that Bilal was gonna go like like all the way. Like he Jimmy didn't like that type of music, mm-hmm. but he thought that kid. Had what, something to be like. I don't want to say anybody's name because if I say like if you if you connect them to anybody who's great and people don't even know who Bilal is or may not know, it just sounds crazy. But Jimmy thought that Bilal could have been one of the great artists of the time. Yeah. Forget hip hop, R and B, whatever. That kid could be anything. Mm-hmm. He's special. Um. And that obviously didn't happen um, as a recording artist on Interscope. Mm-hmm. But so it was easy to get a seat at the table for him. With like Maya and City High and all the other things, I think Jimmy was like, Steve, go do your thing. You know? And so I was over there doing my thing. Is there, But is there really a black music department at Interscope? Because to me, Interscope is like a label. It's like you're either winning or you didn't get there yet. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the black department. The first, remember early they signed Akinelli. Yeah, that right. was the guy yeah. who got the big deal. Akinelli got four hundred thousand dollars in like ninety one. It was like fucking huge. Wow. Akinelli's no, first album was signed to Vagina coming Diamond. off a of, <laughs> coming, coming off a of live at the barbecue. 
He got paid and went to Interscope. They signed him. They signed Marky Mark and the Funky oh, Bucks. He had good vibrations. They signed Gerardo. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were signing. Um, it didn't make a difference. Like there was no black music department. You're right at Interscope. Mm -hmm. um, Jimmy was just trying to really. What did he felt matted culturally, and like we should be in business with those people. Wow. Were you okay? Were you there for the hot Carl period? <laughs> Who's hot Carl? Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Okay, so uh, damn, now I gotta look up his name. I can't remember his real name. He Jimmy was a, Dolan. Uh, don't get me lying. He was basically he was a white rapper. He signed the Interscope around oh um, about one two something like that. I no, say. I uh, wasn't involved. I didn't. I don't. I don't know about that. Two thousand one. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was like could have been a contender. And he has a book out now called oh, Jensen uh, Carp. Okay. Jensen Carp. What's his name? Jensen Carp. That's yes. Really yeah. Yeah. Jensen Carp is now the showrunner of uh, Drop the Mic, and he occasionally writes for uh, my wife, uh, uh, Showtime. Who is America? Oh, uh, oh uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha. Yeah. He's he writes for uh, Who's America as well, but. He was a battle rapper that was on uh, the Baker Boys show that he had like a two-year streak. And Jimmy signed him for a million. And in his book, his book is entitled Kanye West Owes Me $300. And it's a memoir of his life between 95 and 2005, like That's this 10-year awesome. period. Uh, but it's he so It's awesome to write that book. That's a, like that. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's one of the most... I couldn't put it down. I finished it in like two days. But he insinuated, without being specific, my guess is that uh, uh, Paul, Rosenberg. Paul Rosenberg really wasn't keen on Jimmy, you know, promoting both. There so, can only be one. Yeah. Well, well the truth <laughs> of the matter, I was going to say, knowing Jimmy, like, it sounds like Eminem, but just like in the, like. Battle rapper, Baker Boys. That's exactly how Jimmy found. Uh, yeah. It wasn't Baker Boys. It was the same, but the same, same structure, circuit. same yeah. circumstances. Well, initially in the book, he was saying that, you know, Jimmy was like, look, I have different rock acts. Like, why can't I have the same, yeah. you know, hip hop acts? Yeah. But then something happened. And then, like, so I was there career. at that time, but it, it, it went away so fast. Wow. Because I didn't even. I have didn't no even cause a blip. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Everything at Interscope was such a, a highlight that how does one even navigate? Usually, a label is lucky enough to have like two or three uh, laws. They didn't have a law at all. You saying Interscope? For a minute, not for a minute. Interscope no, was. It's got to be a law. It's, it's, <laughs> there was I mean, a, they did, but I'm saying before a minute, there were, it was, there were laws and. Not long lulls. I mean, because you had an Eminem album that you could put out and it would just clean right. everything up. And it was always a moment. And then, like, Dre came and then, like, there was a moment. And then, so there was always moments. Um, but, like, there was a moment between, this is how I came over there. When Death Row was essentially leaving mm -hmm. and Aftermath record started, that's the reason why the firm was on Aftermath. That was the that was Dre's first thing he did um, when he when he left. Because he did the Drake so presents. You, with, with, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. for, that was a lot because Teddy Riley basically, they had Teddy's thing and he had Queen Pin mm -hmm. and Black, and then that kind of yeah. thing stopped working. And then it was like, it was that and then Death Row. And then those were the production deals he had. So then we, when I came, 
it was always like finding new things. It was finding new things or getting new, uh, uh, new opportunities for us. And it was like, okay, so then I signed, um, I signed, well, yeah, well, I signed the Rough Riders, and mm-hmm. um, then we did R. Kelly's deal. Uh, he, Rockland, he, he Rockland. No, we had Rockland, it? so we oh, had Sparkle, oh. right? Um, okay. Then we had um, Robin Thicke. We did Pharrell's deal, and we did Timberland's uh, Beat Club. Beat Club. We had Bubba Sparks. Man, that was great. Now, the, Bubba, the Deliverance album. Where that is was, he? That shit was that, let me tell you something. Well, I, you got to read his book because you, you Bubba read. Bubba Sparks has a book too? Well, Jensen Hot Clark's Car- book. Basically, I got I Go to stop Just calling him Hot Carl. Jensen's, yeah. Jensen basically states like him and Bubba spoke a lot, a lot about the situation. I'm like, wait a minute. They cried on each other's shoulders. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, they cried on that each other's shoulders. There can only shoulder. be one white one. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, Paul Wall, like, I don't know what y'all talking about. Yeah, he was on asylum. I want to go to something here. Bubba Sparks, because we, we're going to skip over this, because I learned something, and it helped me write The Tanning of America. So I go down uh, to Atlanta, and I'm going to go meet, Timbaland wants to sign this artist, Bubba Sparks, and I want to go meet him. Like, what is Timbaland signing? Mm-hmm. So I go on there, and usually you go to Atlanta, you, st- I, you know, I've, I went in Atlanta, I'd stay in Atlanta. I had to drive 50 mm-hmm. minutes out from Atlanta. 50 minutes out from Atlanta, bro, Mm-mm. Yes, you yes. are in Country's fucking there. Trailer Park. Ding, 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 ding. Beverly Hills Billy. Beverly Hills Billy, Dukes and Hazard. You know, I just realized the other day that Dukes and Hazard on the side of that car is the General Confederate Veteran flag. Yeah. 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 I just realized this shit is crazy. And we grew, grew up watching that shit. We grew up watching that shit. Paid it no attention. Didn't even know what was going on. So anyhow, go out there, and they're obviously poor and uh, poor. And this guy tells me, I was like, who's your favorite artist, man? I love Andre 3000, and I love Garth Brooks. Wow. <laughs> wow. Whoa. That's I was cool. like, oh, shit. This is a real, real thing. That you can do to both at the same time? It, it was a real thing. And, I, and then, there was a, then there was a Fader cover or whatever magazine was, comp, not Complex. I forget what it was. Beckon. No, it wasn't no. Beckon. No, it was Ludacris. And Dale Earnhardt, okay, on a cover, and I remember thinking, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I know what this is, but nobody would believe me. So I'd go speak to um, Complex. You found it? Yeah, it's the Complex cover. Yeah. Wow. Luda and Dale Earnhardt. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and I remember telling everybody that's where the world is going, right. and nobody. I wanted. To, I was telling it to advertising companies. Anybody I could find, like, this is crazy. And this guy just told me, like, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and fucking Garth, I mean, uh, Garth Brooks and Andre 3000. Then when we shoot the video, if you remember the video, Timbaland and Missy are racing in tractor Tractor trailers. trailers, Right. (laughs) And they're, and they do a fight, a mud fight in in a Walmart park with pigs in the mud. (laughs) But this is not even them making this up. That's their life. This is like if like we get money and like uh, black guys were getting money at the time. It's like buy the car. You want to shoot the video, make it look like. Yeah, yeah. 
more of what you already are, mm-hmm. more of what they of what he already was, was fucking mud wrestling fight. The guy who he fought in it was a <laughs> like starting offensive lineman for the Denver Broncos. Wow, he was that. into it. Wow. But that's why we fuck with Bugba Sparks, because he seemed like he was being his authentic he was being, self. He was being his authentic self. And that was some new shit, bro. Like, when I seen that, Bubba Sparks taught me so much about where the world was going. He was ahead of his time. I listened man. to him. That, that record was I too early. I listened to him. That record was too early. He was way ahead of his time. Where is he? So what, what did Jensen say? Where, he, where did he say where he is? Um, I don't know where Bubba is right now. Shit. But, um, yeah, he definitely had... He fell to depression like when the second album was, and that was the one. But that was the third album that was called The Charm. That was the Miss New Booty record. Deliverance was the second one. Where like, yeah. which to me is still one of the most Yeah, I did. Yeah. Which Don't is funny because most was also on Interscope. Like it was a period where it was like no. most, right? It was no. most. No. Wait, we signed. It was Talib. No, no. they oh. were signed. You was funny. We were on MCA. Rockus was on MCA. Rockus. They were signed to Rockus. It's funny. Rockus, the lead investor in Rockus. Is was uh, James Murdoch? Yeah, Murdoch's son. son. Yeah, I did not know that. Yikes! Yeah, you know that. I, the, I, I forgot oh, yeah. that. Yeah, maybe you wanted to forget that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's just a, well, that's that a whole other story. But, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Wait, no. wait before because you mentioned something critical. Uh, the the firm album. Yeah. Which should on paper on paper it was but nah uh-uh. it should have yeah. been easy as a field goal kicked on the 20 yard line mm. why why didn't it work why was the ball dropped on that i'll tell you or was the ball dropped on it? yeah it was yeah, yeah. I, did, yeah. did it even go did goal? you hear that shit no <laughs> yeah like, could was. you uh, score i'm here <laughs> yeah, nah, nah it wasn't that uh, firm wasn't the one Exist. so what happened was <laughs> You just said it earlier, like when you when people when the expectation they don't expect much from you, and then you mm-hmm. um, when you underestimate something. Yeah. And- what we was trying to do, it was Dr. Dre producing half, Trackmasters doing half. Okay, um, it was who was in the firm? Was it Cormega or Nature and this and that, and. Egos, egos with the artists, mm. and um, just like I wish I could take that one back, because outside of phone tap, yeah, that was it. Yeah, and we could have, we could have, we could have over delivered it. I mean, there's obviously some good rhymes on it, but it's not. That's all it was. Was like good rhymes, and I'm proud of it because. For me to get Nas on Sony and AZ on EMI and Foxy on Def Jam to record an album for Interscope. Wait, how did you pull that off? Leora was having it? That's why they called me the commissioner, bro. <laughs> I'm not even joking around. No, I feel you. That's that's what I do. I feel you can tell me the Brooklyn Bridge right now. That's what I, I do. I, did the moniker <laughs> come from that move, though? The commissioner moniker? Nah, I started calling Nas Nas called uh, me the commissioner. Commissioner Steve Stout. Bec- 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 on the Street Dreams remix. The R. Kelly remix. Because yeah. I went to the R. Kelly. That was a whole other thing. I got the R. Kelly thing done. Like, and I my whole thing was we're going to get the R. Kelly thing done before Biggie puts out his R. Kelly record. Fucking you tonight. Yeah. 
I want to get this one out first. So I went in and got the remix done. We went, like, I was just always on it like that. Because um, at that time back then, everybody was like, who can get the R&B singer first? Like, you didn't want to be second, right? So we had Lauryn Hill first. You know, and yeah. Biggie was going to get R. Kelly first. It was like, nah, forget that. But we can't wait for our next album because Biggie's album will be out. Oh, we're going to do a remix. And it was like, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it was that type of energy. Oh, anyhow. How? Oh, good. That's how I got the. So it was that and plus all of the things I was doing where the moniker came from. And then um, obviously doing the firm album and all that stuff was. On an average. Yeah. Your daily life. Mm-hmm. How many fires do you have to put out before 3 p.m.? Like, to you, is a good day where it's just like, I don't got to worry about. And I, I know your life is different now back then. I'm talking about back then and in, in oh, when you then. were knee deep in the music. Like, the idea of like, oh, shit, Big and Kel is about to do some shit together. We got to do it first before they do it. Well, yeah, like, I was always, well, I was looking for fires and probably creating some fires too. We want all the smoke. Right? So it wasn't, my job was to make Nas the biggest rap star in the world. So I didn't give a fuck about like Biggie or Jay-Z or Tupac or this. Like I was just going very single-minded focused on that thing. And that's what it was. And the track masses, I was like, we have to have a number one record like once a month. Like, cause that's what we need to do. And like, fuck the the hitman and all those guys. We're making we're making joints. And it was it just tone and poke? It was just no, it was tone and poke. Or did they was it a crew? No, they, no it was like a live musician. Spanador. Kid Spanador, yeah. yeah. Who was playing like on Fiesta. Wait, and, Spanador from, from Col- Lisa yeah. Lisa and yeah. Colton? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What? Spanador yeah. news with him. Yeah. Wait, how do you know that? How did you I, know that? I read it in something. Yo, I'm not the nerd. He is. <laughs> For real? Yeah. Yeah, Spanador. So Spanador was- crazy. Yo, Spanador was playing Lisa Lisa Culture. Yep. And he was on like, that's when, and you could listen to uh, this City High remix here. Mm-hmm. That's Spanador. See, ding, ding, I ding, thought that was Clef. Nah. Yeah, me too. That's nah. funny. That's funny. Shit, I was about to say, <laughs> they're the ones that brought the, 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 my the, snare. Yeah, the, yeah, they brought, yeah, yeah, Trackmaster thing for the uh, chicken, chicken grease snare yeah, and Spanish say, guitar era. I feel like I'm an official Trackmaster member now. Yeah, Fiesta, yeah. that was on. Yeah, same thing like, Fiesta. Was that Spanador playing on Fiesta too? Oh, for sure. Wow. wow. Damn, man. Nice. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When did you make the decision or when did you finally realize that the the music executive platform was... Uh, not as sturdy a, a, a platform as it should be and that you should sort of finagle your way into the business room and the boardroom. Well, like, I was when already, did you have enough of music? Like, well, no, nah, I, I say this a lot, but I, was, I did the soundtrack for Men in Black and Will Smith, just the backstory on the nerd shit, had gotten dropped from, from Jive. Jive, right, okay, right, yeah. Um, and I had known Will Smith from the Kid and Play days because they were the light skinned rappers, mm-hmm. the, you know. So and they were always doing, uh, they were they were the safe rappers, and they would yeah. mostly do things together, or they'd be either one. Like Truth Kid and Play could have got House Party could have gone to Will it Smith, was yeah, Will yeah, Smith. like it's yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? So I had known Will and James uh, Lasseter and Charlie Mack, and I'd gone to. Um, so they brought, I was at Sony at the time, Columbia, boom, we get the soundtrack. The shit does what it's supposed to do. Will walked in with that sample. Right. It wasn't like that. It was mm-hmm. like they had a they had a thing going. This kid, the men think, in black. I think song. Omar, I think Omar was involved. Omar uh, Edwards? No, no, no. no. Uh, Will's Omar, his former Overbrook. dancer that later became an Overbrook executive. Uh, okay, yeah. Okay. Had, Omar's cool as shit. Yeah. And... Like they had, they had the skeleton of it, and of course that's right up Trackmaster's alley. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And this is uh, this is the Men in Black record, yeah, and, the song. Yeah, yeah. So we signed yeah. the soundtrack. Boom. Woke walks in with that joint. Trackmasters. Boom. We get SWV. Will Smith is so cold at the time that SWV don't even want to be in the video. They sang the song uh, and didn't even want to be in the video. Yeah. So that's SWV singing the hook on Minute Yeah, Black? Yeah, Coco. Ah, uh, it's Coco. Okay. I was wondering why are they not in the video? I thought you guys were like, eh, it's no, SWV. No, yeah. you kidding me? We SWV wanted them in the video. They didn't want to do it. Yeah. A blockbuster move. And they had no. Because yeah. he they, wasn't proven. I, was it Will Smith? I just he just got dropped. 
Right, as a music, as a rapper, yeah, like they thought, like oh, it was it was, it was the Wu Tang, Biggie, Nas yeah. era. Mm-hmm. Nobody, it wasn't that time, and Will Smith changed the music. Uh, definitely, Will Smith the whole shit, and like boom, <laughs> ten million albums later, but the glasses was selling like crazy, and uh, the company that did the product placement to get those Ray Bans on mm-hmm. in the movie and on Will, I'm like, how they making all this money? And like we have nothing to do with it, but we're the ones driving the shit. Yeah, yeah. into sales. And literally, I left Sony. I went to Interscope, and I decided um, it was a lot of dumb shit in the music business at that time. It was street shit, um, and the business didn't know the difference between good and great. Mm-hmm. And when an industry doesn't know the difference between good and great, that industry's in trouble. And I could show you many examples of that. When an industry can't tell the difference between good and great, when you don't know, like, you don't know why it's working or why it's not working, but it's just working for reasons that no one understands, mm-hmm. that industry is in trouble because that is not a real metric for success. You're supposed to understand it. It was just like, it's rap, it's selling, it's rap, it's selling. And no one really understood why. And they would hire these guys. But do artists really know the science behind... I'm know. talking about the executives that were getting jobs. Oh, there you go. Never mind. They were bums getting jobs. Right. And making $750,000 a year because they were bu- because no one knew they were bums. <laughs> because it was like, oh, it's rap. It's selling. Give him, hire they him. It must be good. Right? Nepotism. Yeah. No, it wasn't even nepotism. They were hiring... It would be executive at a company finding some guy who was standing next to a hot group, a manager, Mm -hmm. some guy who didn't know to run a record company or run a division, but he would get a job and get paid $750,000, a million dollars, and the guy literally wasn't talented at all. He was just a guy who was around something that was hot. Right. And he'd get this job, and then he'd be responsible for a bunch of shit. And I'm sitting there saying, that's my peer? Are you fucking right. crazy? Okay. You know, it, it's that kind of thing. It's hard. I was speaking to Jay-Z about this recently, about how hard it must have been for him to go through a period of time writing his writing those rhymes and doing all that work. And like Ludacris and Nelly and all these guys are selling three times more records than him and getting much more accolades than him. And yet you still got to keep doing that every single day. Mm-hmm. It, that's a hard thing to do. Like, and as a true artist, that's your North Star, the art. But if you're in the business and the business doesn't realize how to appreciate your art, I'm sure it's difficult. It's like the root story, right? Yeah, very simple. That's yeah, yeah. That, that's why they like it's that's the black why, thought story. That's why Quest and that's why Quest and Jay and the, the, all the real guys know who the real guys are. Because they went through that. The Fonte story. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. My favorite rapper is Fonte. Yeah, they went through that period of time. Um, I forgot what we were just saying, what made me go to that. But it's, oh, oh, what oh, made me. you know when to get so out? So when I, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. In fact, if I know that the music business can actually drive sales of things around the music business like more efficiently, mm-hmm. then I'll actually be down with the glasses. So you figuring out that Ray-Ban made a grip of money off of something that you created a platform for. 
Yeah. You wanted to know how to get involved in that. And that so, and I actually went to that advertising. Did you go to business agency. school or like No. Did you, so no. how did you I knew that I met the company, the guy who did the who did the product placement mm-hmm. because I was that close to the to the movie and to the soundtrack. And then that's the only person I knew in advertising. I ended up leaving to go be a partner in that company. Like it was the only company I knew. And I became a partner in that company and then I did a, it was the first thing I did. Um, Jay Z Reeboks. Perfect. That was you? Yeah. Okay. All this, every sneak, all of this rap sneaker shit, I'd seen that shit. I started that shit. Period. Wow. So what was the difference in the S dot deal versus what was going? Well, shit. I guess you won't say it uh, wasn't no deal. Before. There was no deal. Yeah, yeah. Did you get fifty his deal or did you? Yes. So <laughs> the vitamin water. The disgusting no, 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 no. His sneaker no, deal. The, and the, f- Pharrell. Uh, Pharrell had uh, a sneaker. Yes. Ice creams. Yes, oh, okay. Now I forgot about them. Yeah. yeah, it had diamonds on them. Yeah, yeah and I remember. All that no, shit. I remember. I just forgot. Yeah, <laughs> you still fucking ice cream, Steve. <laughs> Sugar Steve's like represent those my sneakers. I bought me some from China. Yeah, the ice creams. Then we did um, fifty G units, and then we had S Carters. You remember that commercial with Jay Z? Yeah, when they, they was both riding together. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was that was me. I was doing all that. That's why you here to tell us that. Yeah, I was. So I was trying to figure out, but and that connects to why United Masters and why. I'm back in the music business. So it's just like, oh, okay. The S Carters were my version of the Will Smith glasses. The G units was the Will Smith glasses. I just kept on trying to make glasses again. You were not involved in the Funk Flex lugs, were you? No. Okay. Those are all the fun. The fun, the fun <laughs> you, 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 you said that no, a little too slow for me, pal. I'm just, you know like, wait a minute. Because well, you know, I was gonna say the funk, the funk flex lugs actually sold. Which no, is they weird. did. They did. Which oh, yeah. I they were was horrible. Get out of here. They were horrible. They were horrible. And then, by the way, you got the Birdman lugs. I was gonna the say Birdman the Birdman bird came right after that. The Birdman came right behind that. Then there was a couple other stupid shit. <laughs> that just it was terrible. But like, you know, it's a me too business. So where people copy what they've seen before. The original me too. The original, I know, right? Yeah. I was, it took me a second. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I knew it even. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I was always, I was thinking, we launched it, the Escort. I put the Reebok store on South Street. Dude. The RBK I cop- store. I, wow. I copped about eight. Pi- they were a comfortable, like, I know, fashionable or whatever. Those are some comfortable They were the original <laughs> Yeezys. The sisters were like slippers. Yes, they were. Oh, so- they were a little narrow if you got wide feet. Right. They're a little narrow, but the. I mean, we we copied the Gucci shoe from back. I mean, we should have been locked up. Uh, That's what everybody shit. said. It, colors and everything. Yeah, but it was comfortable as <laughs> shit. I missed that sneaker. I got like, I'm waiting for like the the turnaround to happen for them yeah, to yeah, come back. No, but the Gucci put Gucci put them their. Gucci put their copy of the Escarters out. I know. It's just oh, like wow. it's like a meta. <laughs> a jack of a jack. A meta. A jack. A meta so fast forward to your, your relationship with Gucci then, right? Because you're a, you, the deal is done with Dapper Dan, right? Yeah. That, right. That deal, yeah. So h- how did that relationship grow? Did it start at that moment? with That the, was your brainchild? Yeah. What? God damn, Steve, Steve Stout. Stout. <laughs> so what Steve Stout. Well, you, you just got to see. Tell me the look on his face. Just literally. I know. I feel like. He'd be so disgusted when you ask questions. <laughs> because I I needed this platform to, to find out who's behind who. And real business real. people, 
real business people, like people that that yell from the rafters and with their mm-hmm. megaphones, like the loudest person is always the the lowest tone. It's the quiet people yeah. that make moves and. But Steve ain't quiet though. I don't feel no, like. but right? no, you never, you've never been quiet, out here like but that. Like you, I mean, a lot of this stuff. I mean, I'm just found out you were the guy behind. I mean, I was aware of all of it, but and I'm sure a lot of the listeners. I know too. that you're everywhere, and you're and everywhere I see you. You know what it is? I don't know how to comfortably do my job and then stand there loudly and take credit for it. I like I could like like this is the forum to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But what else to do? Stand in front of Dapper Dan and say right, it's bro. me. But fucking Dapper Dan, bro. It's Jay Z. It's Pharrell. But Dapper Dan knows yeah. though anyway. I mean, okay, can you just give, me a, saying, uh, give like, me a laundry list of, of deals that you brokered that I might have known about? I don't know. I know about Amheiser, Bush, yes, and Jay Z. Yes, you do. Yes, but, you but, do. But, but, hold on, stop. That's what we got. We got thrown off. So my brother get hit. My brother gets hit by the car. Going to the You're not listening. Okay, I'm listening. And he was going where? To, to the, the Budweiser Bo- Bo- right? Super, and that's where I copied "Made in America" from. What? Because I, I and all I oh, kept yeah. on here, remember hearing was it? God. It's an Al Heyman production. That deserves yeah, a siren. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that deserves a siren. Yeah. That deserves a siren. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> and I was like, "Yo, Jay, remember the Budweiser Made in Yo. America that super fresh shit? He's just like us. Like he remembers the whole shit." I'm like, "Yo, I just won Budweiser. I'm gonna go pitch them. We're gonna do that today." And Made in America was a, that's a whole other, how we even got to the Made in America thing. But it was like, they had, they owned the trademark Made in America, Budweiser. Oh. Wow. Uh So it was just like, oh, this is perfect. Made in America, boom. That's a super fest. We're going to do it. Remember, and then we're going to put all these acts on the same way Al Heyman did when we grew up. So it never even... Hit Don. me right now. Nah, I wouldn't have thought so that. So first neither. made in America, did you shed a little gangster tear? Cause you it was like it was all full circle between the Budweiser Super Fast, your brother. You know, you know what it is? Um I haven't taken the time and I don't take enough time and the people who are close to me and, and, and love and care about me um want me to, to reflect more on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't celebrate. I want to do it. Yeah, I don't celebrate enough. I don't know. I, I, I was there. I looked at it. I was like, this is big as shit. This is important. Got Ron Howard to do the documentary. Yes, I remember he was around that year. But you know, right. Jay, all the stuff that Jay and I have done together specifically has been um, easy to do because, like, once we say we're going to do it, there's a very shared vision and it gets executed really well. He has a great team around him. I have a great team around me. It gets executed well. But from day one, um, we we had the, we, 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 we wanted to be two steps ahead and we were um, in front of everybody, in, including Jay-Z Blue, which was like, if I, that, would, that was the most brilliant thing that I've ever had thought. What was Jay-Z Blue? Jay-Z Blue was, like, we wanted to authenticate things, but not have him in it all the time. Like, so what you do to get somebody to go, oh, that's cool, is you stand next to it, and 
through some proximity, you say it's cool, right? And then because Jay-Z said so, or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But how could you do it like the good housekeeping seal? You know the good housekeeping seal? Yeah. They used to do that in the 50s so that moms mm -hmm. knew to buy stuff for their kids that was childproof. Mm -hmm. if, if you were to copy that idea, how do you make something so that everybody knows it has it's the cool thing on it? By, yeah. So if we, if we made a color, and if it only, if things that came in that color, so I'm like, okay, I gave this color, I gave the idea to this guy who used to take like uh, Motorola two-way pages and shit like that and like could make special versions of them by painting them or whatever. But he was really like a mixologist with paint. And I said, make a unique blue, paralyze it. And I kept on showing Jay-Z different versions of this that was coming back. And we finally found a color. Then I went and found the Pantone family who makes all the paint chips, the Pantone charts. They're like the encyclopedia of color. Okay. And got it so that they were going to put it and run it as a, as a color option. So now we're basically inside the encyclopedia. So of you can color. own hues? Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? Steve Stout. I did not know you can own group. a hue. Nobody knew this. I'm Googling right now. This is an actual hue. Yeah, so I'm looking at Jay-Z blue. Jay See, this explains. Blue. All right. The My first favorite hue is Jay-Z blue. But yeah. so now, All right, go then we went and I sold that to GM. Yes, he did. I'm sorry. I just saw the picture of the truck in Jay-Z Blue. Pantone says Jay-Z Blue's real. Not thing. fucking around, man. <laughs> you <laughs> are not. This exp All right. Time out. Can you help poor people make this, some money? This, this explains. All right. Now that you explain that. <laughs> just. All right. Real quick. I did a, I did a Coke commercial like. Uh, two, the one where you was in the booth with the with the window. Uh, no, 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 that, oh, that was that was, that was oh, the okay. phone thing. Oh, the, or yeah. even before that. And I met a woman on set, and her job was strictly to see what color the coke was in the light. And I was like, "That's a weird job." He's like, "No, you don't get it. See, we own brown number nineteen to brown forty seven. But Pepsi owns wow. brown 47 to brown da 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 da. Yeah. And if someone's at home watching, and guaranteed they will, they'll, they'll compare hues, then they can sue us for, and I was like, well, it's not like I buy the can of Coke and then look inside and see like, hmm, this yeah. is Pepsi's color. So literally, I I'd, I'd thought it was the silliest shit I ever heard of people fighting over hue colors and didn't realize that this is a multi-million dollar business. That's fucking how I have a question. Yes. Um for the people listening on the show, um you keep mentioning throughout the show that you, you did a deal with this person, you got the deal done with that person, deals, 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 deals. Like uh, but then you don't mention um all the work that goes into negotiating those deals. Yeah. So just to me that's the that seems like the tricky part. I mean, I could cut deals all day long <laughs> on the sugar network you know for for you know because i i mean we all want to cut more deals don't we yeah so yeah. how is like you know do you just come up with the concept cut the deal uh you know in in with a handshake and then leave all the other things to to lawyers and things like that to actually get get a deal nah, you, done you, usually you got to know um sort of what what your intentions are what do you want out the deal what, what, not money, 
what do you want out the deal? What, like, if this deal, start backwards, if this deal is successful, this is what it looks like to me, right? And if you, if you start thinking about it that way, um, then you'll know sort of the general architecture of what you want the deal to get to look like, and then you give that to the lawyer, mm-hmm. right? That's how, the way I do it. I would basically lay out the bullet points of what I know needs to be done, and then let the lawyers deal with it, but then manage it, but make sure these things are non-negotiable, like whether it's equity or the amount of money or whatever it is. You sort of lay out the non-negotiable things because those are the only reasons why you're doing it. Okay. Thank you. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Yes. Can I ask you, since we mentioned Made in America, we gotta, I got to ask you, the moment that Mayor Kenny made that announcement, of course, by now, everything has been cleared. Made in America yeah. will stay in Philadelphia. But the moment that that dropped, what was the process of, from your y'all thoughts to Jay-Z's response in the paper? Like... What was the, I don't even want to say emotional because I know y'all are businessmen, so y'all don't get emotional. But how did the thought change and evolve? By the way, I do get emotional and uh, that's probably what I shouldn't do. Yeah, I was like, is that wise for a business person? Yeah. I'm glad you admitted that. Well, I don't know if it's wise. I I don't, it worked. it'll, It'll take me as far as it'll take me. Okay. So then did you get emotional when? Well, I'm, no. And in fact, Jay and, and 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 the team at Rock Nation, mm-hmm. they handle it. I had nothing to do with. Yeah, I set the whole thing up, mm-hmm. and they run the show. Um, the other mayor, Mayor Nutter, mm-hmm. um, he was the one who did it originally, yeah. and he was a big fan of mm-hmm. bringing that show to Philly. And I figure a new mayor came in, and between noise complaints and he didn't invent the idea. Didn't yeah, give a that's shit. It, the latter. I was going to say we we have that same problem with him. Uh, we do two festivals in Philly, and his first thing to his staff was like, "Well, you know, that's Nutter's area era. Like, I want to start my own era." Oh, so, shit. well, he need to get rid of the bicycles and everything else good that came up in that. Nah, he's just he's petty. Like it's almost like Trump. Like he wants to erase the entire plan oh, to build see. his own thing instead of just. Moving forward, what was already established and working mm-hmm. and lucrative. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, well, I'm glad you guys sold that shit yeah. because. How did you deal at, at the time when I think the first time I ever met you, it was like super quick. It was in baseline. And this was, I mean, this was like back in 05, I want to say, when uh, Little Brother, we were mixing the menstrual show with Guru. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was before that. This was when Ninth had got threat. On uh on Black Album, mm-hmm. and uh we Ninth it came he brought us the baseline he was like yo y'all gonna meet Jay whatever and like we set up but you were in there and I was like oh shit Steve's in here so we dapped each other up real quick that's about to fall but um how how were you how did you position yourself and what were your thoughts at the time when Jay and Nas were going through their shit because you were friends and had relationships with oh, both oh shit of I never thought to ask that question how did you how did you do that how did you parlay that um. I knew that there was the the underlying way I dealt with it that I always kept there was that I know the amount of mutual respect they have for each other because of me being close with both of them. They have ultimate admiration for each other. And it was never, they would never have let it turn into anything street. street shit, yeah. So 
I knew those two things, like, A, there's mutual admiration, and then I can let this thing get out of hand. So you never felt you had to pick a side? No, I always felt like I had to try to fix it. Hmm. And I could never fix it, but I could be a voice of reason. And I tried to be, and I believe I was, a voice of reason for many years uh, with both of them. And it was, I think it was stupid, um, but necessary at the time. I mean, there was a lot of things that were stupid and necessary at the time, East Coast versus West Coast and yeah. this versus that. And mm -hmm. the competition and nobody knew how big the whole thing was going to be. So everybody was fighting for what they thought the pie really was. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Right? No one knew how big. Like, the truth of the matter is that Nas and Jay-Z's conflict or the East Coast, West Coast yeah. conflict or whatever it was, everybody was fighting to be the best. And this thing that was small, <laughs> when really everyone could have won outside of that. Because the, the nobody pilot, saw the bigger picture. No one saw the bigger picture. Um, but I do believe that these stories actually help create or part of creating the bigger picture. Um, the interest in it, the global interest in it, the the narratives of it all are the things that anywhere you go around the world, there's interest in. You know, and it's fucked up. It's like the unintended effect of, of something. Like, you know, Biggie and Tupac's thing, there's a lot of people who've made a lot of money and built careers benefiting because of that. Yeah. And you see it when you go around the world. It's like you go around the world, you see graffiti everywhere. Right. Right? Why? And that's a Bronx thing. Like, why? why? It's just, you know, it's like, the conflict um, and all of the stories that we went through, the art form has gone through, has helped grow the, the art form worldwide and created these opportunities. It's not like you think um, you want that to be the case, mm -hmm. but those are the unintended effects of what took place as a result of that taking place. Okay. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What was the story, Jim Jones, um, the the flower what was the flower pot story does that involve you it was something you got hit with a Jim Jones it was I, I'm 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 I don't want to make sure I'm not mixing something were you you were hit with was it you that got hit with a that so, was you no, yeah so over the hate me now video oh okay. I did, it was hate me now all right yeah I got jumped Puffy came in my office with three other guys and I got jumped okay um and because it was Puffy and they they was just became I got hit in the head with a champagne bottle, but not and that's not the you don't get hit in it like I'd have I wouldn't have a ball head if, I, <laughs> if you get cut up and all that shit. No, that wasn't the case. Um, I did get jumped. That was the case. That was fucked up. That was the case. It was hard to deal with. What was the What was the What was the beef? There was a scene in the video where they were on crosses, um, and you know right, Puffy, I that. Puffy shot it and didn't want. His 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 um, pastor decided like two three days before he didn't want to, him on the cross. It was the video was a million dollars and you know the, the record company Donnie Einer and those guys was like, we're not taking those scenes out. That's the reason why we paid a million dollars. And you know, but they ain't jumped Donnie though. Which I never understood that. <laughs> I understand. We, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> That's like you know. Come on, that's the anyway, ain't he? No, 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 no. The reason why, no, the, the reason why I'm saying I don't understand is because if the video is a million dollars, you know it's not. It ain't my me personal million dollars, right? Right. But yeah. You're the only one that they can touch and not get in real and trouble. Not really get Come fucked on, up, man. Over. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But fast forward, now y'all are friends, so y'all must have made a lot of money together to get over no, it, right? No, I, I think that. I hope that we all grow over time. It was, believe me, it was embarrassing. It was fucked up. Um, the first thing I asked him to do was speak to my mom. Because my mother was very, like, her son's out there in the wild, wild west of the music business and shit. And that's, it was hard for like three or four years. But it certainly made me know I was not going to be known as the guy that got jumped or got hit in the head with a champagne bottle. I can tell you that for sure. That's the one thing I kept on thinking, like, oh, I'm going to run so far from this. This can't define me. I remember I used to look at the beginning of Google and see how far away it was because I was just, oh, yeah, because I was just, 
I, I was just going to do all kinds of crazy shit like you guys are hearing now. I'm only giving you pieces of it. Like there's so much things that I've, I've done to contribute to hip hop and contribute to culture to move it forward. But like I was always saying, fuck this shit. It ain't going to be that. It's going to be all of this great work that I've done. And that's, so it, it, was, it was certainly something to motivate me to do great shit. Because I didn't want to be known as that. Can I ask you something? Speaking of no, that, no, no, no. It's you actually, remember when a nigga, a nigga, like you ever had like a Philly cheesesteak in your hand and somebody just slapped that shit on the floor? Never, because it'll never, be going by the time they start oh, <laughs> smack me. Just call it a cheesesteak, because you know. I just a Philly. What you call it? A cheesesteak. Okay, okay. Yeah. We call it Philly cheese because it's New York. I just did that to somebody the other day. It was what? hilarious. What? Just no, slap a cheesesteak. No, slap a sandwich on somebody. Sandwich first bite. First bite. Mm. No, they, it was they Tariq, got close to mouth. Never. Ain't that shit none. is funny as hell. That's the cousin thing. Saying, it still works. It's cruel hands, nigga. It's so, not cruel. I want to know uh, with the 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 uh, this arrival of Nas as a businessman. Yeah. Like, what are your opinions of? He's now becoming like to me the the, the definition of. I never knew that lightning could could strike four times in a row. Like his, well, I, I don't know the team he rolls with now, but every month and a half, I'm hearing, you know, Nas brokered a sixty yeah. million dollar deal here, and this pharmaceutical company there. Like, what are you? What are your opinions on that? Are you surprised? Well, I think that- it, well a couple of things. So Nas and I are really, really close, mm-hmm. and I hope that. You know, all the years he's seen me push him um, and watch my career grow even outside of him, mm-hmm. that that was part of inspired precedent? his right. his thoughts. Mm-hmm. Nas hired a manager, kid Anthony Soleil. Anthony's um, really smart young guy. Um, I work closely with him. Mm-hmm. And, but like, I have nothing to do with Nas doing those deals. I'm just saying right. we're very close as far as uh, what we talk about and the relationships that we, we, we've built. And Nas is a great person. Like, at the end of the day, he really is a great person. He's a, he, he always means well. And he may take his time to do what he got to do and, we all have our Nas stories of waiting for shit. Mm. <laughs> um, but he's a great artist with a beautiful soul and great intentions. And the fact now that he's using that energy and applying it to business in a very bespoke way. He's not running around, let's get a deal, let's get a right. deal. He's not doing that type of shit. Mm-hmm. He's picking and choosing his spots. He put a good team around him, and it's working. Amen. Yeah. All right, before we close, um, I I do want to talk about uh, United Masters. United Masters. Let's talk about it. So, well, can you explain to our our listeners what United Masters is? Is yeah. Is it- so, how I got to the idea was I'm like, we need to be able to build a distribution service for artists so that they can not only distribute their music and circumvent a record company, 
But if you build a really smart distribution system, then because music is all digital now, you'd be able to find who are the people who are listening to your songs. So if you're an artist and like you put your music up and it's on Spotify and this, that, and the third, you'd like to know who's the person who's listening to it the most so you can target that person to sell them tickets. So, yeah, book because they're, around they're a fan of you. But like the way these services work so now. So there's no algorithm with Spotify or any of the No, no, I'm talking about, yeah, there's you a Spotify. Now, yeah. There's a spot, there's an algorithm for all that. You're distributing, the, dis- the distribution service is the the person who feeds the music to Pandora, Spotify, They're just Apple, an aggregator. They're they're just- yet, right? But if you built a smart aggregator, mm-hmm. a smart distribution that was able to take the feedback that came back from those platforms and then turn that information into a way that the artists can find their own fans, then now the artists are empowered to build businesses on their own. So whether you have 5 million fans or 100,000 fans, the fact of the matter is that you can build a business because you know who those people are. And you can sell directly to them. And you can sell directly to them. And that's... The record companies never wanted the artists to know who their fans were because if the artists knew who their fans were, they wouldn't need a record company. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to build my intention and what we are building with United Masters as a way so that artists can get their music on all these streaming services and then in turn, not only do they get paid and they own their rights, but in the background, we're building a data capturing engineering a team a, a, a team of engineers that's getting that data and then turning it into um, CRM systems and CRM systems is basically customer relationship management but it's it's knowing who the people are that are listening or uh, uh, engaged with your content the way they use it now it's like when you go on Amazon and you buy you you go no you go you, you listen to Q-tip and it says people who like Q-tip also like Pharrell. That's not what Q-Tip wants. Q-Tip wants people like Q-Tip also wants to buy tribe tickets, also wants to buy tribe shirts. He's a one, but they're using the data in service of them. them. But no one's using the data in service service of of the the artist. artist. And none of the artist managers or anybody has the money or spent the time to build an engineering infrastructure to be able to do that on their own. That all make sense? It makes sense. So how do you, in your opinion, when do you think the old system of the labels will be done with? Well, I think... Done with 360 deals and done with... I think, yeah, I think the labels, look, Pharrell said it to me a while ago, like, you got to be rights protectors, not rights holders. So don't sign artists and take their rights. You should partner with artists and protect their rights. So United Masters is about rights protection, not rights holding. And I think artists are now, you're seeing it every day. The, 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 the value of a major label is diminishing quickly. Um, there was a report that came out um, a time back. Um, uh, Citibank put out this report. Basically, that 12% of the, uh, this $43 billion created in music in 2017, and the artists received 12% of that. I mean, this is this, this is a problem. So you're you're creating the work, 
but not getting paid for it. And all of the work that the record companies used to do historically, print it, ship it, set it up. They ain't got to do that caps, no more. They don't have to do that no more, but yet the digital. economics are not shifting back. And I thought that's what, that's what technology is supposed to do. Redistribute value, the value chain, to who provides the most value. Right. And the consumer gets the best price. The consumer is getting the best price, but the value chain is still on the record company <laughs> side. And that's not, that's, we're solving that. And United Is it Masses, dangerous for you to. Dangerous like how? I mean, you're kind of doing the Samson, seeing the pillars and destroying yeah, well, the, 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 the Char- building. Charlie Chapman, that's what United, he did that with United Artists. United Artists was Talkies that. And, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. the same from idea. The, the movie studios locked all the, um, the talent up to seven picture deals. And you had to go through, if you assigned to Paramount, you did seven movies with Paramount, and your movies only were distributed in Paramount theaters. Yeah. And that whole got broken up. But Charlie Chapman was the driver of that by creating uh, a, a studio in which the artists made movies that they wanted and they were not beholden to these major studios. And United Masters is basically a, a derivative of that idea, or those values of like, man, you should be independent. You made it. You should own it. We should get paid a small fee mm-hmm. to be your distributor. If you want other services, those are things that we can barter and, and engage on. But like, you don't need us to distribute your music. And like the way it works today, Instagram is MTV and radio, right? And Pandora, Spotify, Tidal, those are the record stores, right? Okay, like that's where the commerce takes place, and Instagram is the where radio discovery and MTV. That's where that takes place. You don't need a record company for those two things, but if there's a distribution service in the middle. That's really smart. That's intelligent. That's going to give you not just data. People throw that word around all the time. Data, data. So they give you a fucking dashboard that says 54%. Hey, Quest, hey, goes a big idea. 62% of your fans are in Philadelphia. Who fucking cares? I see. I want to know who are the people that are listening to my album my songs the most because those are the people that are super fans of me and I can then if I can find them I can actually do business and conduct business with them because what Instagram and all that stuff does just like it's even long with it like saying like it's not that doesn't mean you're a fan like Nicki Minaj has 90 million people following her that is has nothing to do with how many People are gonna buy her album. album, which is why yeah. the album out. get pushing back, keep pushing back, keep yeah, pushing back. Yeah. So the ninety the million spectators versus actual. I'm not, t- I'm not talking get. about that. Mm-hmm. Who's figured it out is the video game business. Yes. You play video games, they know exactly who you are, and you know what they're doing. They upsell you right there. The virtual jacket, the virtual this. Yeah. The this My son the plays dirt. Fortnite, and and he, he's getting the game so, ain't even. He's still. I think he's still playing like the demo of the game. Yeah, but it's all the in-game it's purchases. All the in-game purchases. All that shit. But, but and the in-game purchases are bespoke to your son. Not not in-game. Certain in-game purchases are based off his playing behavior. Yeah, it'd be like in the middle of a. It'd be like in the middle of um, big pimping if the song plays and right before the hook comes, it stops and goes, yo. 
I'm going to be touring in your city sometime soon. <laughs> you want to buy a ticket right now? And then like, yes or no? Big pimp. <laughs> right. And the hook sucks. But they, you, don't, you can't do that in music, but they do that in video games. They get you right at the hot state and they upsell you. In music, if Kanye West knows who listened, if, if you listen specifically, Steve, to Father Stretch My Hand 70 times. That didn't... <laughs> that's a great quote. <laughs> but yeah. Right? He could then sell you the Yeezys directly because he knows how highly engaged you are in him as an product. artist. At least you're a... Whether or not you want to buy the Yeezys or not, he's now fishing in the right water. But the way it is right now, it's random as fuck. Guys don't know where to tour. They're waiting for a promoter to call. They don't know who their fans are. They're running around looking for them. Like, that's not the way the business should be. That's supposed to be the pros of digital. You make less money. Transparency. But there's, but yeah. there's much more efficiency in your marketing. That's, why, that's what Amazon does. They know you're going to buy Tide. As soon as you get on the shit, there's Tide there. You're an artist. You put out a record. You put out music. You're supposed to know who the people are you're making the music for. You, it, it can't. It and when can't. you say know the people, so United Masters, you say know the people, I mean, you know them first and last name, or you just know well, you know Facebook. Yeah, because because <laughs> yeah, I'm like data. I'm thinking of data. Like I'm like that sounds kind of scary. No, I, how well, how does how how personal? You, 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 well, well, how much how, of the person do you know? I mean, it's as personal as you can get without violating the law. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm it, just, yeah. personal enough to know this is the device that's been streaming it. Ah, okay, okay, gotcha. Okay, okay. Well, now we know. Uh, we got to wrap up the show. I had a good time with you Yo, guys. Oh, look, man. I'm super sorry. Y'all cut off. That's like slapping a sandwich out your hand. <laughs> you ain't, oh, oh, no, 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 y'all no, no, no. had y'all conversation nah, no. from earlier, remember? When we was outside, did y'all ever have finished that conversation? We didn't finish. We, we, me and Steve were having a little brother conversation. And he was like, yo, man, mad niggas jacked your shit. And I was <laughs> like, yeah, like these Who niggas is my son. Who you think jacked your shit? Well, listen. We all know Drake. We Drake, said it. I mean, and this is- But Drake I mean, admitted it. They, no, they, yeah, all these guys, that's why for me it's never no because all these dudes told me. So Drake- uh, Cole, no shit, um, they told Wale, you. I can't. Um, I mean, when I say told me, they were like, like, yo, we came up listening. They acknowledge that. They acknowledge, it. They acknowledge um, that. Little Kendrick brother. Lamar, like Kendrick Lamar, he opened for us like in like 2010, like him, J Rock, and all them. Like, I mean, this is mm -hmm. he was, you know, just coming up. But yeah, yeah, all those dudes, man, all them cats. Like, I, I got love for all of them. It ain't, it ain't the, the production, the the albums, tight. The whole Thank thing you, was tight. I, I was always like a New York hardcore hip-hop fan, right? It's the stuff I listen to. Mm -hmm. And then I was never a big De La Soul fan, for instance. Mm -hmm. Like, I just didn't... I respected what they were doing. I just wasn't a fan of it. I wouldn't listen to it. Were you a Tribe fan? Low End Theory. That, that was it. I wasn't a fan. Like, I wasn't like... Every Tribe a Tribe album came out, I was on it like that. But like, Jay-Z... Nas, G Rap. It's so funny, man. Ice Cube. Yo, now that you're saying this, it's so funny that you say you want a De La Soul fan because me and my homies always, we specifically mark the day that it was written and Stakes is High dropped on the same day. Yep. That literally. That was the Beatles, Beatles dude, uh, Rolling Stone Rolling battle. Song. Yeah, that was straight like hip hop kind of apartheid. Like yeah. that was when, it, I mean, it was like that was the start of it. Like, because it was written. And I agree with you. I I personally didn't like the record when it dropped, but I 
two it things. It grew on me. It grew on me, and two, I understand that Nas would not be where he is now if not for that record. He, if he would have, there's no way he could have out undergrounded Illmatic. So. Him trying to do that record again, I mean, he just would have been, it would have been over. I didn't but, re- I didn't even realize how big the art, talking about how big the art form was, that there was all these different artists that had different experiences, so their opinions and the way they made music was different. I just thought they couldn't make what Rakim what made. Doing. <laughs> like, right. you can't rap like Rakim, so you did that. You can't rap like, so you do. And then I realized that's just another way of expressing your urban, your you know the urban, the the urban experience as told through as told through New through, Orleans, yeah, through Atlanta. Yeah, through, I didn't even, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it like that at the time. Yeah, so it's funny you say because for me, both those records dropped on the same day, and I remember listening to Nas, and I was like, mm, I like the, I like the message, I like shootouts, I like, like I the like the hard shit, I like like the the street shit, but Stakes is High was the one where I was like, okay, this is where I want to be, and that just kind of that led me into Dilla and all that shit. So it's odd that you say you weren't a fan because that was that I didn't literally know the was it. Stakes is high dropped the same day. Did not know that. Yeah. You ain't here. <laughs> you won, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah, you he ain't But yo, I wanted to ask you, man. Yo, about uh, the stash. Real He's quick. trying to go, man. Uh, uh, yeah, we about to run. No, no. Stashed real quick. The yeah. what's like, going on? My buddy uh, Kazim, he was over there for a while, and yes. um, stash. He yeah, it's his. Um, it was his company. Uh, we did an interview, me, Primo, and Royce. We did an interview over for there. For the magazine. For the mag. And yeah. um and, and Kazim, he 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 orchestrated it. And we were sitting there and he was this was before, you know, this was like a couple years ago. And I said, Man, so Steve, I said, I've never like had a lot of dealings with him. I said, but he just lets you just do this. He was like, Yo, man. They, he came to me and was like, Yo, if I don't give a fuck if the interview's twenty minutes, if the shit is dope, we'll throw it up. I was like, Word? And yeah. so So what happened? I was, admired that. Yeah. Man. That was dope. Well, thank you. I I I wanted, because uh, he, Kazim had the idea, he had a small team, we were going to build some, uh, a magazine, a website, you know, uh, and just tell great stories. Okay. And after some time, he left to go take a job at like someplace, Bleacher Report or whatever, yeah. and I think the team got kind of mismanaged and then he left or whatever. Um, I always like the name. And I'm like, if I was if the if the content thing was to keep going, what would I do as an extension of it? I'm like, man, you could build a great retail store. And I, uh-huh. it, so I just felt like uh and my entire company with translation and United Masses is the convergence of technology, culture, and storytelling. And I believe that those three things coming together is what's gonna disrupt the incumbents, all the companies that are sitting there now that are slow. That if you can build nimble companies that um, have those three elements baked inside of each person, you have to have two or three of those things inside of you. You have to be a storyteller and a person in culture. You have to be a technologist that understands culture or story. Like you need two or three of those things Mm -hmm. to work at my company. And so in San Francisco, where where all the engineers are Mm -hmm. who are doing all the data shit for United Masters, I put, it was an art gallery in the space. And I said, I'm gonna put the sneaker store stash right there. So while the engineers are coding, there's a line of 200 kids trying to buy Yeezys. <laughs> so like that, I stand outside the place and I look at it and there's guys up there, headphones on, building some dope shit, love culture, and they are engineers. 
some of the best engineers in technology, guys from Dropbox, Facebook, um, uh, uh, Pandora, like great talented engineers. And there's these 200 kids down there lined up to buy off-white, human-made, Yeezys, Nikes, whatever. And to me, that's where the industry is going. When you can put culture and technology together in the same proximity. Um, so I thought that name Stash was worth nah, yeah, to put it that dope. together. So anyhow, that's where it is. Thank you so much for having me, sir. Thank you, Commissioner. Steve, thank you for having me. It. Yeah. Thanks thank for you. saving me on the We rap. didn't even talk about the tenant of America. We didn't even get to, to the book. Well, like we, we got a lot more. Well, there's, we, <laughs> there's more. He's not leaving Earth. We can do another interview. <laughs> Right, and work. we gotta make we gotta make that yes his the Steve Stout yes has to be a, a, a like from now on has to be a bit yeah this gotta, gotta be a soundbite when when did I we will take it yes like it's just the look of disgust when niggas yeah. ask you about shit <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you, yes I did yes that shit is funny thank you man thank you, all right thank so you, we bro. have a team supreme uh, this is Questlove thank you Steve Stout once again and we will see you on the next go round of Questlove Supreme see you hey. Voice Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. If tonight's movie night is just what you need, make it special with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.